0: Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You've hit the spot, the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. But you think it caps on, because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You dropped in at the spot. I told you this is the place where the conversation is pointed, and the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. And today, we have... Deborah Beatty. Yes, we do. Let me tell you, she has got a laundry list of accolades. She's a badass color mystic, an artist, an author, a mentoring coach, a life docent, and she says that she's a nine-year-old in an adult body going to ask her about all that and then some. So excited to have her. I've been waiting to talk to her and just really hear about all the things that she has been able to explore in life and share with others. So let's welcome her to The
1: Edge. How are you, Deborah? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. And hi, Brains. How you hey, doing?
0: hey, 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 hey. I'm excited. I'm excited. So tell people what planet you're from and how you show up in the world.
1: Um, I'm not real sure what planet I'm from to tell you the truth, but I'm here on earth right now. All right. Um, <laughs> I show up in the world as the badass color mystic, and um, I'm here to provide kind of a beacon to stretch my hands down and show people that things are possible, that you don't have to take things on face value, you can start now. Or now, it's up to you. A color mystic. A color mystic, well, I was, uh, I call myself a color mystic because I work with color ray energies. Um, I was born with a a form of synesthesia, which is where um, sensory input comes into the body and takes a left turn on the way to the brain. Um, I perceive people as color. Um, it's not their aura or anything like that it's it's something entirely different and I was given to understand when I was 12 years old this is something new and it's up to me to bring it into the world Um, I have taken um, a lifelong observation of people that I see as a certain color um, they have certain attributes they act a certain way like my blues they really like they're very soothing to be around they're all about clear communication they are my talkers they are my yakkers um my storytellers the uh people that are green they like structure they don't like change things like that you know what color am i
0: and don't say brown
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding um you my love are um a gorgeous turquoise blue
0: Hmm, turquoise blue. That's good because I do love turquoise, the uh-huh. color. And I am to that. But you know, it was strange when you said green because green happens to be my favorite color. But another color that's very powerful in my life is purple. Uh huh. And I when I, it. yes. And when I meditate, that is the first color that I see is purple. And when I ask the universe, you know, I seek the light, I seek the light. The first color that always comes to me is purple. And so when I'm looking at my chakras and aligning my chakras, it really sets to where I am. And color plays such an important part in our lives. It tells so many stories. I have a friend that wears nothing but black girl down in her panties and bras. Everything is black. And i she's support- afraid of. I don't know. And they say that she lacks imagination, but she adores the color
1: black. What black does black, since black is an absence of color, mm. white is a balance of color. All colors are in white. Black is a, is a lack of color. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it shields what's coming from you and what's coming into you. And so when I see somebody that wears all black, the first thing I want to know is what are they afraid of? Mm. Are they afraid of letting themselves loose? Or are they afraid of letting what's out there into them? Wow. And and so um, this, the color, um, I call it coloricity. And it's a system of nine colors. And they all have attributes, but they don't really have that much to do with chakras um there's some compliance but but not a whole lot and um i do you know birth charts and full reports and all that kind of stuff using the colors and i also do oracle card readings because i develop my own deck and now, that's kind of fun
0: okay so now the mystic world what do you say to the person that says it is who who or the person that is afraid of it because religious doctrine has said, you know, through many texts, stay away from that. But if they really study the text, mystics have provided insight and information beyond the stars to these same people that prosperize and say, don't do it. So, again, what are they afraid
1: of? Exactly, exactly. And if you know i'm a really good judge of character i mean i can size people up you know re- my color sense really helps me know how to communicate with people when mm-hmm. i was doing direct sales <laughs> you couldn't stop me but um the thing is that i can go as mainstream as they want we can talk about frequencies i mean the health uh the healthcare industry the mainstream you know, as, as non-woo-woo as you want to go, is talking about red light therapy and yellow light therapy and what it does to the body and how the bl- red blood cells respond to it. If you look at the lasers that they're using, they're all going with the red lasers as opposed to green or yellow or purple, which are always also available. You get those pulse oximeters through COVID. We all got pulse oxes. Okay. It's red light that goes through your fingernail and measures how much hemoglobin you have. Mm-hmm. You know, these these are things. I mean, I can go as mainstream as they want. I have spent the I'm 70, I'm going to be 71. Shut the front door. You are not seventy one. I am. I can show you my driver's license. Wow. And I have spent my whole life trying to get an understanding of how these color rays work and how they affect the people. And I, you know, like I said, I have spent a lot of time doing doing research, and you know, I've got well, everything is color. full of color. Yeah, everything energy. is color. You know, when you do like a a, a
0: cardiogram or uh, you do a brain scan. The first thing they do is they look at the color frequencies. Yep. You no, know, yep. they look at the red. I mean, if you eye. look
1: at it, their prisons are painting their walls pink because it modulates the aggression. Um, right. If you look around at your grocery stores, certain walls are green. Certain walls are, you know, they're a color. They're not all one color anymore. Right. Because
0: like they, they, that draws you to them. Uh So that you shop more, that you're more comfortable in that space. I totally get it. I totally get it.
1: And branding. I mean, there are a number of people out there that are talking about your colors with your branding. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Because they have
1: psychological responses to those colors. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can go, you know, either way, I can go as woo-woo as they want, (laughs) or I can go mainstream, you know, either way. That's perfect. So now you're an artist as well. Tell us a little bit about your art. Well, you know, I've been, I have, uh, I pretty much started Created Life Strategies, which is my company, in 2004, And I worked and I worked and I worked to try and get coaching clients. And it didn't work. And I didn't have a really good handle on what it was I was trying to do, evidently. And it was as much growth for me as it was for anybody that I worked with. And I finally got to the point where I said, I'm done. I, I, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. This is not what lights me up inside And I decided to explore my artistic self. Now, when I was a kid, my dad, oh, my dad was an incredible artist. I mean, I don't care what media he was good at it. Me, I couldn't draw a straight line with a ruler, you know, and Mm -hmm. I tried and I cried. I mean, he would buy me all these art sets and, you know, paint by number sets and all these good things. And I would, I would do them and I'd work through the exercises and I killed, still couldn't draw anything. And the funny thing was he passed away in 1984. And I was sitting, just trying to deal with the fact that my daddy was gone because I mean, he and I were joined at the hip. And I sat there and I started doodling on a on a piece of paper. And I did a beautiful landscape of the park I was looking at. And it was like he left that for me. You know, that was, he gave me that. But I wasn't able to access it till after he left. And that was what he bequeathed to me. And so for about six years, I... I played around being an artist and I still, every day, I think it's important to do something creative every day. In addition to what I do with my words, what I do with my websites, what I do online and my programs and everything else, I think it's important to create something art, something artistic.
0: Artistic is very important because it speaks a different language. You know, if you have trauma, it releases trauma through the colors, through the lines, through the structure. If there is a child trying to tell a story and they don't have the words, they always use art and art therapy. If you are dealing with someone that is um, maybe in dementia or autism, they can really tell their story and relive or live life vicariously through artistic mediums. And that can be anything from pottery to painting, to, exactly you know paper mache i
1: tried it all
0: <laughs> yeah i i'm like that too but i tell you i'm a crafter i'm I'm you know and you it can too. it can be expensive <laughs> yeah. it can be expensive it's fun you know you you i make jewelry and i'll get to the last two inches and run out of beads you got to go get a whole nother strand so yep, that's yeah but tell us about your book so you've taken this great work let's see yep. turn put your pretty face right next to it Wow. Disconnect your autop- uh, your autopilot
1: and, autopilot.
0: and create, oh, wait, will you put it down too fast for me. Okay. Disconnect your autopilot and live a creative life. Okay. So now people are running on automatic. Yep. And that is based upon programming, be it from outside influences, be it that negative self-talk, be it From uh, epigenetics, generational trauma. So we are running on this hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you're going to get an aha moment, brain. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be either a health scare, a loss of someone, some sort of grief. It could be a job, it could be a pet, or it could be a startling realization of something wonderful that's about to happen in your life. Maybe you're getting married. Maybe you're having a baby. Maybe you're starting a new career. But what you have to understand is you've got to pause and you've got to reset. you got to figure out where you are in this dynamic. Be it good or be it bad or be it neutral. Mm-hmm. How do you work with people in that space?
1: Well, the the biggest thing for me is, you know, my, my signature program is walking the betrayal to badass path. And um, my autopilot, um, that kind of underlies everything that I do. Now, an autopilot is a should or an ought to that robs you of your ability to choose. And I'm all about living a life at choice. That's why I call it a created life, because you get to create it. And I work with people to help them get back in touch with what they wanted, what they desire, what they dream of. Mm. Um, You know, so many of us, the reason that I call it autopilot is, okay, we're born on autopilot, okay? And I hope that everybody can understand the difference in what I'm saying. We are born on autopilot. That's A-U-T-O. We eat, we sleep, We, you know, we're pre-programmed as infants that that's all we do. We just exist. And when you're running on autopilot, you are just existing. Once you start to become more aware, then the behavioral stuff starts coming in where you ought to do this or you should do that. Or if you want your parents to approve of you and not, you know, not be Telling you what to do and yelling at you and things like that, you do what you ought to do. You know, we fall into that pattern, and so many times your autopilot, which is the O U G H T A, you're living somebody else's disappointment. You know, oh. that's a that's a life that some parent or teacher or somebody planned for you, that may or may not be what you desire. Oh wow. And you can get back into what it is you wanted to do, and why. I mean, I have I have a um, a mechanism that I call your um, it's the shake your meaning maker machine, mm. and it is it allows you to look at the stories that you have about your life and what's happened to you, and why you do what you do and look at them, take these major traumatic events, split out the emotion, because you look at the, the who, the what, the where, and the when, and you separate that from the how and the why. Because you made up the how and the why. Mm-hmm. And if you made that up, that becomes your autopilot, and that becomes your betrayal story. Well, guess what? You made it up. You can make up a new one. Right, that supports you you and uplifts you and empowers you instead of victimizing you because betrayal stories always victimize. That's deep. They make you lesser than. And so that's what I'm all about with my created life is living a life of your own choosing with power, passion, and possibility.
0: Right. But it also has to have purpose. And you know you have to show up, and exactly. you got you to do the work. It's not again; it's not an automatic.
1: But it's so not- it's also accepting the calling. It's accepting all these things that you've ignored because, you know, maybe you you wanted to please somebody. For me, I spent my I spent the first forty seven years of my life trying to please a mom that that had no interest in in being pleased with me. Let's put it that way um, she was extremely emotionally abusive. no matter what I do what I did, I couldn't do anything right. So I became a people pleaser and I tried, oh desperately to do it. I was led to believe during those 47 years that I'd be okay in my later years every you know there were investments made, there was property bought, all this good stuff. And when my mom died two days after she passed away, the executor of her estate showed up on my doorstep. And told me I had 24 hours to get out with what I could prove I had brought in six months ago because I took care of her her last six months. And I was left with $20 in my pocket and the shirt on my back. And I wound up on the streets for three weeks. And that's where all of this autopilot thing came from. I spent my whole life trying to be somebody that was not who i wanted to really be and Mm -hmm. i started taking inventory and that's what i teach my my people to do take inventory of who you are what you want what you love to do what you want to do and what you hate to do what are you capable of and slowly what comes out of that is what you're here for because we (laughs) all have a divine purpose and you get to clarify what you're here for and how to go do that
0: absolutely and i agree with what you're saying that's very powerful now you say that you um are a nine-year-old in an adult body explain that to us
1: um you know life's too long to take it seriously um excuse my language but shit happens you know sometimes and and the you know I like to roll with the punches I love to have fun and I have fun in everything that I do and I love the you know if you've ever hung out with a kid the sense of wonder the sense of discovery of of Finding out things that are are mundane and everyday to those of us that are over that age. But there's still this sense of exploration and discovery and wonder. And I want to keep that wonder in my life, even at 71, where I have seen some things. Oh, my goodness, let me tell you, I have seen some things. I know, I know, I know, I know. I still want to keep that sense of wonder. I still want to do experiments on, hey, what happens if I do this?
0: Right. That childlike innocence. That's what keeps things pure. That's what keeps things exciting. That is what stimulates our imagination. That's what pushes our growth and development. So I love that because I tell you sometimes... I get into my zone too where I like to, you know, color and yep. And, you know, oh, just, I,
1: right now it's watercolors. Just, I'm going crazy for watercolors.
0: Well, watercolors is not my friend because I I don't know if I use too much water. Mine either. Yeah, you you, you got to you really have to have a technique for watercolors because they they rain. So let's ask some fun questions of you before we conclude this interview. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, Deborah, what appliance would you be?
1: ooh, I would definitely be the stove, would you? why yep. well, because I like to get hot ah. um I like to it's the possibility i mean this I am here, you know, as a stove, I'm here to be used to create something magnificent,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or something just basic that will help them feed their bodies or or whatever it is, the potential that I have as a piece of equipment. I'm, I'm not a fridge. You know, I don't just hold on to things. Yeah. I want to be part of the making, you know.
0: I get it. And you can regulate the temperature. Absolutely. Now, now me, I want to be the refrigerator because I just want to chill. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to keep it cool. I just want to chill. Well, uh, I still and- haven't figured out what I want to be if I grow up. You know, that's right, because that childlike innocence. What are three of your guilty pleasures? I mean, when you are just outside of pla- painting, we know that in the art, but just whimsical things. Is it eating chocolate? Is it playing tennis? Is it shooting pool? What What do you like to do?
1: Oh, well, guilty pleasures. Um, <laughs> um, yes, a chocolate. <laughs> Um yes chocolate um paranormal romance books on Kindle Oh um uh and um getting down and talking to people on a really deep level with people that I have no idea who they are mm-hmm. you know bump into strangers at at the gym or the pool or, you know, whatever, and starting some really deep conversations. That is, yeah, definitely a guilty pleasure.
0: What would you tell a 25-year-old Deborah Beatty?
1: If I met her today, I would tell her to chill out and stop taking herself so seriously because it's all going to work out.
0: That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, if you were a flower in the garden, what flower would you be?
1: I think I'd be. What are they called? A peony.
0: I think. They're you know what? When when you said that, I was thinking. I said she's a peony. <laughs> I love them. They so I was turned on to them. You know. They weren't my particular favorite flower because, you know, but when my mother passed away, my uh, my daughter's boyfriend came over and brought me, this was the first thing that I got. And these peonies just, they turned my life around. They
1: were so beautiful and they're very expensive too. Well, I've got a huge bush out in front of my house. And oh, so yeah. when they bloom, they're just magnificent now. Yeah. Other flowers that I really enjoy are like anthuriums and protea, because uh, I was raised in the tropics and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm used to island flowers and, you know, um, bird of paradise. I mean, I love anthuriums because they so, they're so with me, with my nine-year-old, because I feel like I can stick my tongue out at everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. And in closing, what do you want your legacy to be, Deborah? Deborah?
1: I want, when I go, when I finally decide to go, I want to leave a hole. I want to be missed. And I want people to say, she made a difference. She gave everything that she had and she made a difference.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to work with you, and how to pick up a copy of
1: your book. Well, they can get my book on Amazon. Uh, It's available. Or if they'd like one uh, autographed, they can order it through my website. Um, My website is createdlife.com. You can reach me with um, my email, which is, uh, let's go with um, contact at createdlife.com and uh or the facebook i'm i'm on all kinds of social media just you know just google me you'll find me
0: well we are going to google you we're going to love on you and we're going to enjoy the nine-year-old that you still aspire to be brains you know i bring you the best and the brightest i bring you the most sensible people i don't try to bring you you know nothing too way out. well yeah i take that back sometimes sometimes yeah, sometimes <laughs> i take you way out there but you know what That's to reel you back in because I want you to have a sense of balance. And sometimes I want you to be off balance because then that way you understand what it is to be left, what it is to be right, and what it is to be centered. And we're centered here on the edge. I want to thank you so much, Deborah Beatty, for being here on the edge with me and my brains. Um, You've really kind of elevated us to another level. And Brains, I want you to uh, contact her, purchase a copy of her book, go in, like love and subscribe to on the edge with april mahoney uh to podcast subscribe tell a friend check it out come on be a guest we'd love to have you thank you so much deborah you are a queen
1: you're welcome thank you so much
0: all right be good to yourself brains